Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're going to be talking about people that are not saints and should be. Yeah, we're going to look at the lives of some very important people in the history of the Catholic Church who aren't yet considered saints. All of you non-saints, pray for us. Unless you're called for veneration hasn't been approved. Yeah, you're right. Looking forward to this episode, guys. Yeah. Good to be back in the studio with you. Absolutely. It is great to be back in the studio. I love it. Some people <laughs> like it. I love it, Ryan. Oh, they do. <laughs> no, this is an interesting topic, right? So there are many, many Catholics who have obviously lived a very uh, strongly devout life but are not saints. Um, we can't cover all of them because there's it's probably countless but there are certain people throughout, you know, relatively recent history, I think, that should be considered uh, to be saints. Yeah. We've done shows on the on the process of canonization before. Yeah. And a lot of times, though, that process gets stalled for one reason or another. And people who seem like they are, you know, slam dunk candidates to be saints, their cause can stall out for years, decades or centuries. And we're going to take a look at some of those and why they are not yet canonized and what it might take to get them over the hump, as it were. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. So now before we do, why don't you tell everyone how they can learn more about us? Sure, Ryan. So if you are not following us on social media yet, take a moment, go to at Catholic Talk Show for any of the platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to find other ways where you could view or listen into our content, go to catholictalkshow.com. There you'll see all of the audio files in Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher for your commute. And then if you do follow us on YouTube, make sure that you click the button, subscribe, and then click the bell next to it so that no matter what we produce and when we set it out there, it'll populate in your feed. And we want to give a big shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you so much for financially supporting the show. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. It's our partnership that ensures content just like this gets out to as many people as we possibly can reach. And if you want to consider becoming a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash Catholic Talk Show. There you'll see every way you could support us, and we truly appreciate it. All right. Thank you for that. No problem. So I think the first one to start with is a really interesting case. And he's the author of the second most read book in the history of Christianity next to the Bible. And that's The Imitation of Christ by oh, Thomas, Thomas Akempis. Yes. Thomas Akempis's writings um, were probably the most influential spiritual guide yep. in the church outside of Scripture. You know, I mean, he's right up there with Augustine and, you know, Teresa of Avila as far as like, you know, spiritual writing giants. Mm-hmm. And you would think that this guy's obviously a saint. There was no sign of scandal. There was no, um, you know, heretical statements. And in fact, his his influence on the church is immense. But in the really interesting case of why he's not a saint, according to all reports, is that when someone is being considered for canonization, they will typically exhume their body to look for signs of incorruption. And when they looked for signs of incorruption with Thomas Akempis and opened his casket, the inside of the casket was all scratched up, and he had splinters under his fingernails, which meant Thomas Akempis was, was buried likely alive. buried alive. 
<laughs> now, being buried alive is, you know, I mean, there are saints who are martyred by being buried alive. So that's not a, a uh, reason to not be canonized. But that's like my worst fear, guys. Like I'm sitting here thinking, you know, that's the worst. That's terrible. So, the well, so what would you do if you were buried alive? God bless. I'd probably have a heart attack. I don't know. <laughs> See, now here's how it went, though. They said, well, he was buried alive. And somebody who obviously was so close to meeting Jesus, why would they resist so much? And because I love he was, Jesus, but if I was buried alive, man, I would be scratching and gnawing and kicking and yelling. Well, then we're not going to have a, a St. Richie Pagano. That's exactly Clearly, right. I guess. I mean... That's just crazy. Yeah, because they said he wasn't resigned to his fate, and that someone who knew that they were about to meet Jesus resisted it so much that there must have been some sort of defect in his cause for canonization. Now, I think that's a bit much. Mm -hmm. That's a bit much. Yeah, because if you're going to wake up in a box like that, you're going to try to get out. Just by nature. Yeah. So I'm My heart is like pounding right now. Yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about it. We'll we'll know you're dead. Please when you're make yeah. sure like poke me with a stick or something. Yeah. You know, do some you're organ do donation. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, so, we're not gonna take you after a dentist appointment and go. Back. <laughs> <laughs> he has a dentist appointment tomorrow. Yeah. I do. Okay. Unless it goes terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but Thomas Kempis, like, from even from my early reversion, you know, days. I I totally got into his uh, imitation of Christ and how many countless saints in recent history really identify his work as being their favorite or bedside, you know, devotional. Absolutely. And, you know, some of his quotes from that book, uh, which I love, be not angry that you cannot make others as you wish them to be, since you cannot make yourself as you wish to be. It's like wise little little mm, sayings. Yeah, be not worried about others if you can't make yourself not try to dig yourself out of a grave and ruin your cause for canonization. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure someone in the Vatican has heard, watched our show once or twice. If you're watching this, maybe, you know, be take another push look at this one. Give a little push. Just a little, just like... <laughs> It's like, push. look, you know, we're, we're not, you know, it's not thirteen, twelve anymore. We can maybe take a look yeah, at relax it. Relax a little bit. A little bit. Huh? Like, you know, I mean, look, if you were buried alive, you'd try to dig you your way out. You know it. So that's, that's an extreme case, right? Yeah. And one that was, you know, interesting to start with, but also I, I think probably unjust. Now, another one that seems to me unjust, and this is a very recent one, and one who's very dear to us, and that's uh, Fulton Sheen. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know his his beatification was lined up. I mean, they had a date, um, everything, and then um, a bishop from New York objected, and his cause has been effectively put on the back burner indefinitely. And that's just tragic. And and in all honesty, you know, I've interacted with some of his peers over the years, just different priests that grew up with him and and spent time with him. There was a lot of jealousy around him. Yeah, a ton of jealousy around him. And I think that's a product of what this is all about. I mean, it's just people that were his peers that were jealous of what he was accomplishing. And instead of jealousy, like how amazing would it be if we had a ton of different priests of his generation doing the same type of thing, mm -hmm. you know, programming and getting the word out there and evangelizing the first televangelist in the world, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Right. And it's and, and most, holy man. Yeah. He had one of the most largely watched shows mm -hmm. on television. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's true. And, you know, his writings, too. Don't dismiss his writings. Yeah. Uh, his book, Life of Christ, 
is amazing, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, his devotion to a daily holy hour and there, you know, it would seem to be church politics at play here. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that I can see. And now they'll try to say, well, there might be some concerns about his time as the bishop of handling of, of sex abuse, you know, scandals. But that's that was all reviewed and approved. And it was basically just at the, you know, the 23rd hour just reviewed and approved not in the sense of of him you know uh, mishandled being culpable right but um but that it that after it was studied he was deemed to not have those things holding him back from canonization exactly um you know even during his life there's a lot of like you said jealousy Mm because you know i'm sure there's priests who are jealous of you right for having whatever modest audience we have or you know, or you're jealous of Schmitz or whatever, right? Totally <laughs> jealous. I am totally jealous. You know, the thing, too, is uh, you mentioned the politics, is that there was even a bunch of politics and things going around just where his body was going to be. Right. Yep. Like, and, then that, and that was clearly in his will. And New York got New York got, got in that situation. And, uh, you know, Archbishop Janke got his body back to Peoria, where he was born. And then the objection comes from New York. It just seems too convenient to not be a little bit... Petty, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think having Fulton Sheen as a saint, both for our times and in this country where we can celebrate a truly and uniquely American saint. And the call right now for right. evangelization to take place online. Right. What a perfect patron of that. He, absolutely. Like, open the floodgates, brothers and sisters. You know, like, let's get online and really share the beauty of our faith. Right. Yeah. And the other thing to consider here, too, is that you know, even though he's not canonized or may not be beatified, that, yeah. That, yeah, beatified, you know, there are a lot of saints in heaven that are, have not been proclaimed by the church mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, we can't like lean in on the men in the church and right. say, Hey, you know, if they say no, then, you know, but it is good to be able to bring him out and proclaim mm-hmm. him as well. Yeah. And, and devotion and intercession is yeah. still called for. Like you can, yeah. it's you, still approved. Absolutely. Yeah. It's still yeah. approved because yeah. he has, yeah, he's a venerable, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. being a venerable allows for that mm-hmm. public uh, cult. So. Mm-hmm. I've got one. Who's that? That's probably not, I don't think it's on the list, All right. but it just, it just dawned on me. Blessed Charles Foucault. Oh, wow. He's Love the soldier in the spirit, dude. Yeah. I mean, lived yeah. among the Muslims in the throes of the the sufferings of Jesus of Nazareth, mystic in the desert, just was filled with love, Parisian playboy who had this unbelievable conversion after the death of his parents, the death of his grandfather who left him his inheritance. He renounced all of it and lived poverty. I mean, blessed Charles Foucault definitely, definitely needs to be advanced toward canonization. Well, maybe you should keep up with the news. Which I, I uh, rely on you. Uh, I rely on you. He, uh, Pope Francis did announce that he is going to be canonized. No way. Uh, when uh, is he getting canonized? Uh, let me look for the date here. Uh, it doesn't say a date, but uh, it was announced this year that he would be uh, canonized. Formally. Praise the Lord. There you go. I take it back. Maybe he's just here and well, he maybe wants everybody like, to know to look for the date. Speak some more of these into existence, you know? Yeah. As they come. As right. they come. <laughs> ding, ding. Um, you talked about, you know, public cult. Uh, G.K. Chesterton. Mm-hmm. He's a, I don't know, maybe almost like a precursor in style to Fulton Sheen, right? I mean, if you've never read his books, really check them out. They are amazing. Um 
did he imbibe too much? Is that is that the is that the thing that I <laughs> well a good a good way to look at it is maybe they're having a problem picking his feast day. Because for every day, Chesterton was obviously a feast day, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that they can't, it's not that, you know, it's, there's he too many to choose from. He knew life, though, man. You know? I mean, he totally did. He never missed a pint. No. <laughs> a pint or a pipe or a good book. That's a good one, though. G.K. Chesterton, mm-hmm. you know. I put Tolkien up there. I know you're not a fan of the the uh, the trilogy. I, I have tried so hard to get into the Lord of the Rings because everyone speaks so highly of it. I'm just shocked. I know, and it seems like right in my wheelhouse. I mean, it's good writing. It's you know, mystical and historical. It seems and you've got some Hobbit feet. I mean, the I shoes do. that you wear. I mean, it's like <laughs> I know. And, and I tried to listen to it, and it's just like I got to hear about you know Bilbo Baggins's party preparations for six hours. It's like reading the Book of Numbers. It's torturous. <laughs> but that's his whole character, though. Well, that's exactly that's the heart of what a Hobbit is. <laughs> like your whole protagonist in in the Hobbit, and then in the Lord of the Rings, like. You have to capture that sense of their character. For eight Tolkien, hours? Yes, Tolkien Ugh. has to develop a full <laughs> sense of who, you know, these hobbits are. Um, Chesterton, they actually did look into his cause, and the local bishop said, you know, no, basically, because there's no—for um, three reasons, they said, that there is no local cult. There's no one there, like— Pushing his, it. Pushing it and praying mm-hmm. for it. It really comes from like internationally from like his fans of his writings, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's not an organic, you know. Uh, People that got to witness his life. Yep. And were drawn into Christ to it. Yeah. And then they also said that they couldn't uh, figure out any pattern of personal spirituality, any sort of extraordinary devotional devotional life. life. And then um, the third was he's the he's he's an intellectual, though. Right. You know, like Scott Hahn, like intellectual giant of of, of a deposit of faith, you know, like we can't. I mean, that's just kind of crazy. Thomas. I mean, Thomas Aquinas is an intellectual giant, but he was also a deeply he was a mystic. He was a total mystic. And they're they're not seeing that with him. His writing is there. But then in his Mm. day to day life, you know, he, he wasn't like the parents of. St. Therese, where they have a monastic cell upstairs, yeah, you know, uh-huh. there's there's no real sense that that mm. was something that he that he did. Mm. And then uh, the last is that um, there's charges of anti-Semitism towards him. Oh, really? For some of his writings, which is really ridiculous, because I mean, he was incredibly against the Nazis. He was that's true. You know, he was very for very the, vocal against the Nazis. He was very for founding a a Jewish state, but at the time, it can maybe came off as a bit apartheid in nature, like send them somewhere else. Wow! But what he was saying is that they have the right to a homeland. So, those are some of the things that are holding up Chestertons. But the Society of Chesterton, um, they're still pushing forward, and I think there'll be movement one day on. On mm-hmm. his, mm-hmm. as soon as they can find out a feast day. Are there mm-hmm. any miracles with him yet? Or? No, and see, and that's the other thing. With all of these saints, a miracle really negates the need for this kind of debate. But but then again, Fulton Sheen had the miracle. Yeah. He had the miracle, and it was approved, you know? So it's not always that cut and dry. Mm-hmm. So do you have Dorothy Day on there? Dorothy Day? I don't know too much about Dorothy Day. Yeah. Catholic, Catholic worker movement, uh, yep. journalist. Um, probably one of the biggest figureheads of the 20th century. Um, 
you know, really when it comes to uh, women's rights and, mm-hmm. and really being a champion of uh, intellectual discourse and political discourse on a, on a national level. Um, but it very was charitable really, person very, too. very, you know, structural charity. Everything I've read about her, she's real kind of a uh, sharp wit, mm-hmm. you know, and very. She cuts mm, through all the baloney exactly. with, with wisdom yeah. and insight. And, and then calls you out on your own stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with love and like, you know, and, and levity even too. She. She seems like she would have fit in with the Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Thank saying that, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but she, you know, had that kind of acerbic wit that was clever and endearing at the same time. You know, one of her quotes: "Don't call me a saint. I don't want to be dismissed so easily." Right. Exactly. That's, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like that. Another yeah. one, like, like Flannery O'Connor. Yeah, right? another one too. You know, and again, she's kind of running into basically cancel culture. You know, which is. Her, she was very much a, a Southern woman, yep. you know, of the time. And her writings now interpreted by 21st century sensibilities seem less than the standard for racial sensitivity that's required nowadays. She never said anything, you know, racist, but it was just not sensitive enough. And that's one of the things that's holding her cause back from my understanding. I still remember being in community college and reading um, a story about, uh, you know, these guys that were going around thieving and the protagonist interacted with uh, with this one almost on like a redemptive cord of, of calling to mind that this person is my brother. Um, and it was just it was so striking to me. And it, I was in a secular community college and the, you know, the uh, literature professor I'm just surprised that they chose Flannery O'Connor mm-hmm. as as someone to uh, to put in the. But it's I mean it is I mean it's mainstream. It's it had a huge influence in the country, um, and she's a literary giant and and yeah. really integrated her faith so beautifully and so well. Um, here's a big one for me, mm-hmm. and this is one that really. It seems illogical based on all that we know now, and that that's Pius the Twelfth, mm-hmm. the myth of Hitler's Pope. Exactly. I mean, he was. I mean, that was a political hit piece mm-hmm. by you know more or less communist playwrights. Propaganda. It was propaganda to discredit the church yeah. in the Cold War, and the church itself now seems like to have fallen for it. I don't know a lot about saints. I'm just a simple country lawyer, right? I'm a caveman. I'm just a caveman lawyer. <laughs> but when I see Pius XII, I see a saint. Yeah. I, I I have no doubt, you I know? Mm-hmm. I mean, for sure. He moved in a way that I can only describe as saintly. Mm-hmm. He spoke and thought and did heroic actions. Mm-hmm. And the myth of and of calling him Hitler's Pope, I mean, kind of be hard to be like Hitler's Pope when you actively were conspiring to have him assassinated. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Pope actively in multiple instances, tried to have Hitler assassinated. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty bold move for a pope mm-hmm. to have someone assassinated. Mm-hmm. That is not something that you take lightly as a religious yeah, leader. To prevent, yeah. to prevent, to prevent widespread evil. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, and he was actively hiding away Jews. Yep. I mean, they have records. They've released the records of the Vatican saving and issuing birth certificates mm-hmm. to Jews to save them from deportation and extermination, Mm -hmm. that is not the act of somebody who is commiserating or sympathetic to Hitler. 
It's just, it, it's absolutely Is that the not. only thing hanging him up? You know, the, I'm sure from what I've read, there's, there's more church politics as well. Mm-hmm. That um, I've read that, okay, well, John the 23rd, you know that his canonization didn't require a second miracle? Really? Did not. Yeah, no, so Pope Francis waived the requirement, as is his prerogative, but waived the requirement for a second miracle to be recognized for John the 23rd, uh, which is pretty rare. It's not unprecedented. I mean, it's within, you know, the, you know, the, the rights of the papal office, but, you know, it, that could have been done for Pius the 12th. Mm-hmm. And one that it should be done for, I don't think he's on our list either, is Blessed Yerse Popiolusco. Oh, yeah. I mean, that guy is a giant. Homeboy got his tongue ripped out and beat and then thrown in a ravine, and his body was saved before it got chopped up in the ravine. Um, But that's a great pick. One of the greatest movements in the Solidarity Movement, um, one of the greatest, most prolific preachers, um, you know, suffered from all sorts of, uh, you know, ailments early in his priesthood. But when the communists were really, uh, I mean, my goodness, exposing their manifest, uh, you know, violence against the church, um, he really courageously stood up against them and formed one of the greatest movements, certainly in Polish history, but in, in world history. Mm. And I mean, what a hero. Yeah. Even to say that he's not a martyr, which is, I think... No, he's considered a martyr, but that's how he became beatified. But, but, but no, they're but a martyr, investigating a, a miracle associated with his canonization. Martyrs do not. Are, I know that, but the, why he's not a saint, it's confusing to me. I think, well, I think the thing is that there's question of whether his martyrdom was for the faith or actually an odium fide. He has been recognized as a martyr by the Roman Catholic Church and was beatified on June 6, 2010 by Archbishop Angelo Amato on behalf of Pope Benedict XVI. Yeah, I don't know of another martyr who's officially recognized a martyr who's not a saint. Doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. And I mean, really, the things that were done to him, and and, I mean, he was a lion. Mm -hmm. He is absolutely a lion. Say his name again, because you said it quickly, and I think a lot of people didn't catch the name. So uh, if you look up Jersey... You know, Jersey, J-E-R-Z-Y. Which is a Polish name. A po- Polish name. Popielusko, P-O-P-I-E-L-U-S-Z-K-O. Jersze Popielusko. Jersze Popielusko. And in fact, I have a, uh, a movie for you, too, uh, that friends of mine produce that I want to, uh, to share with you as well. Oh, I think I I think I know what movie you're talking about. I think I saw that actually. Yeah, it's it's Jerzy Popielusko, Messenger of the Truth. So if you if you look up Jerzy J E R Z Y Jersey, uh, Messenger of the Truth. I'll put links to that. Yeah, it, it'll. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And it's on it's on Amazon Prime. If you if you have that, you mm-hmm. can watch it pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And it's got it's got a great cast, great director. Um, it was locally funded in our diocese. Oh, really? uh, the, yeah, the Charland, uh, the Charlands uh, donate, you know, a, a lot of money to make it happen. I was with a group in Poland with the Blaskowski brothers, uh, Father Andy and Father Remek. Um, they really inspired us with his story. And just to visit his tomb was one of the most impressive experiences of my life, praying next to his tomb and learning about him. Uh, but the production is outstanding. And, uh, you know, I highly recommend taking a look at it. If you don't know anything about him, it would be worthwhile. Yeah, but that's really particular that, you know, a, a martyr is not a yeah. saint. I've never heard of another like right. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had on other shows where there was 
drug addicts who prayed to become a martyr so they get to heaven. Right. And, and they, they didn't felt- receive Eucharist like that. That right. one, you know, the heroin opium addict. That that was amazing. St. Mark G. Zin Tang. Yeah. Incredible. I probably butchered that, but it's pretty close. St. Mm-hmm. Mark G. Zin Tang. Mm-hmm. Our sponsor, Hallow, is the number one Catholic app in the App Store to date. And let me tell you, it is a magnificent app. Over 400 million prayers have been said through this app. There are contemplative prayers, Lexio Divina, Bible in the Year with Father Mike Schmitz. There's so many resources on this app, and it continues to grow. People's lives have been changed by building a habit of prayer through this wonderful technique and this wonderful application. So make sure you check out Hallow today. And as you do, realize that there are so many functions of this app, developing your own personal prayer, developing prayer even in groups, journaling, and maintaining the consistency of prayer that sometimes we could slip out of in the busyness of life. So check out Hallow. I am sure that it will enrich your spiritual journey with Christ. Um, another one that's really interesting, and you know, I don't know how many people really know about her, but you have certainly have seen the movie where her visions were inspired by, and that's Blessed um, Anne Catherine Emmerich. Oh, yeah. Now, Anne Catherine Emmerich was a visionary, and her visions of the passion, at least, the Dolores passion, is what inspired the the failed passion, passion of the Christ, Christ. Yeah. all right? Yep. And her cause for canonization was moving along very quickly. I mean, she was, you know, bedridden, suffered, was a mystic and a visionary. Uh, her cause for canonization was open in 1892 and was moving along and she was, you know, beatified. But then it was completely stopped in 1928. Um, well, I'm sorry, she wasn't beatified, but it was open in 1892 and it's completely stopped by the Vatican in 1928, because they suspected that um, that her her writings had been altered by either a priest who was assisting her or somebody else, so they said any evaluation of her as a saint based on her writings is completely suspended, and it's been that way since. Mm. But what they said they, in 1973, the Congregation for the Causes of Saints reopened her case and said, we will consider her as a saint, but not anything to do with her writings, only based on miracles. And sure enough, um, a miracle was attributed to her because, you know, she kind of uh, her fell into a weird, uh, you know, middle ground because her writings were, you know, tampered with. But then she was uh, beatified by John Paul II in 2004 and if it were not for that, she'd probably have been a saint by now because of her writings, even the portions that were not tampered, not tampered with yeah. and her miracles. Mm-hmm. So she needs a second miracle, but hers was a case that was open and moving along quickly and completely shut mm-hmm. down and then reopened. A kind of a strange mm-hmm. case, you know, looking at how the causes go. There is one that has to be on the list that I know is near and dear to your heart, which would be Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Yeah. Yeah, I I always thought he was going to be a saint, mm-hmm. you know. And he probably still will be, hopefully. Mm-hmm. What know? happened with his, you know, I mean, it was going pretty good about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And and then, I mean, really, he was at the heart of uh, one of the uh, World Youth Days. Right. Yep. You know, and, and it hit, I mean, international recognition. Yep. 
And his level of charity and influence over young people, especially, is tremendous. You know, you have the mountaineering, you know, like men's, you know, men's masculinity, spirituality, you know, that that type of, uh, you know, patron saint for for that type of lifestyle um, being devoted to Christ and, and, you know, having one's masculinity sanctified. He's like at the top of the list. You know, one of the things that I've read and it's been inferred about why his cause, because you would think after the relative supernova that he had on the church when he was really, his his cause was put out there. And I, I mean, how many people think of him all the time? You would think there'd be so many people having a devotion to him that if he's a blessed, certainly another miracle could be attributed to him. But one of the <clears throat> rumors of why his cause is, has slowed down, or at least in the beginning wasn't even considered, was because of his girlfriend. Because, you know, Pierre Giorgio was, you know, a dude, right? I mean, he's a mountain climbing, pipe smoking, back slapping guy, and he liked girls, right? Now, he wasn't doing anything immodest, immodest, but, you know, he... So his ex-girlfriend caused a lot of drama? No. no, man, come on. Come on, man. (laughs) No, I mean, but he was, you know, he's a red-blooded man who was attracted to women, and he was very in love with a woman. I believe her name was Laura Hidalgo. Whoa. Right? And a lot of that, because I think they would say they would sneak away and maybe kiss every now and again or something <gasps> like that. Ooh. What? Clutch your pearls. Say no. <laughs> Clutch your pearls. My Clutch word. Pearl. Uh-huh. A, a man kissed Less a woman and that he never... a man <laughs> kissed a woman. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I know that that Say caused... it ain't so, Pierre Giorgio. <laughs> <laughs> God bless America. For heaven's sake, canonize the man. Yes. Can a man get a kiss and a, a man can get a kiss at the same time? <laughs> Not like he was a priest. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Right. You know, that would, that would be like, you know, people saying, well, I don't know, Father Pagano can never be considered for a saint because he didn't think women, because he thought women were attractive, even though he was chased. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense to me, but that 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 slowed his cause down a little bit, which is weird. Now another one. There's just no hope for me. The buddy. humanity, the, of humanity. All this. the humanity, humanity, humanity. <laughs> broken, broken, broken people. <laughs> broken people. <laughs> broken people with their modest 1920 style kisses on the cheek. <laughs> Beatitude style, you know. He smoked a pipe. He shouldn't be a saint. That tobacco's no good for you. It's no good. You know. <laughs> I mean, I bet you when he's kissing that girlfriend, they both smell like tobacco. It's Wait, like that Forrest Gump movie. He <laughs> tastes like tobacco. But, like, how many saints had used snuff? Yeah. A right? lot of them. A Pio, ton of them. Padre Pio. Padre Pio. Yeah. Yeah. Leo. That's back when they used to snort it. That's right. Which is so weird, dude. It's so weird. Just snorting ground up tobacco. Oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've snorted yeah. some things in my life, if I'm being honest, but <laughs> I would a, never do snuff. <laughs> on another show, we talked about yeah. how the cavities of their nasal passages, when they're incorrupt. Yeah, you know, like there's some saints. They found some where they're just like, well. That was the area where they were <laughs> They were sniffing so much bodies. tobacco. They <laughs> <laughs> were incorrupt, but where they had to snuff. Guys, like, I'm not doing anything with this part. No, he did you're right. Right. Was that. that was your worldly <laughs> attachment right there. Uh, you know, here's another one I think really interesting. Charlemagne. Mm-hmm. The rapper? 
No? No, I, I don't know who that you is. You don't even know who that is? All right, forget it. Dude, I'm like in the hip-hop that. culture. I'm not. I like. I was. Yeah. Well, it's kind of still it's a little bit, I guess. <laughs> you, you, are, you still are. You're, 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 you're All right, moving on. Charlemagne. <laughs> Charlemagne. Okay. Charlemagne was like the first emperor in the West, you know, since the fall of the oh, Roman Empire. Charlemagne. Yeah, that's Charlemagne. Not Charlemagne the God. I do keep up you with the know. kids. Didn't you Charlemagne know. have the uh, Sophia? Uh... No, that's Justinian. Justinian. Justinian had that. Mm-hmm. He was the emperor of the East. But this is the first emperor of the West, proclaimed emperor in um, 999, I think, by the Pope, you know, on Christmas Eve. And here's something that's really interesting about his cause, because by any account, I mean, the, the, the impact that he had on Christianity and, and basically securing the existence of the Pope for generations because of his policies would get about just about anyone canonized, especially from back then when there wasn't such a scrutiny on maybe mm, the way we think now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here's the thing. So there was a point where there was competing popes. There's an anti-pope. Mm. Okay. And so one of the things that this one anti-pope, Victor IV, did to try to curry favor and to prove or maybe like get his position recognized was everyone wanted Charlemagne to be a saint because it was obvious that dude's a slam dunk saint, mm. right? So he's like, well, if I'm the one, that would be like, okay, there's two popes after the next conclave and no one's really sure. And they're like, well, let's canonize Fulton Sheen. The Americans will love that. And then he goes and does it. And then everyone's like, oh, I love him. He's the pope now, right? Like he's mm-hmm. doing stuff for us. Well, anti-pope Victor IV, to kind of get favor with the public and the other cardinals, canonized or beatified, no, I'm sorry, beatified Charlemagne, mm. okay? Which was a, a just move, which would have happened anyway. But what happened was he didn't last. He didn't become pope. He was always an anti-pope. So all of his acts were completely expunged. Wow. So, and because of that- Guilty by association. Charlemagne is guilty by association. and kind of became- a hot coal that you can't touch because it's like, well, we're not going to beatify a guy who was beatified by the anti-pope. So he kind of got screwed over Poor here. Charlemagne, yeah. man. That's terrible. Wrong place at wrong time. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, mm. pretty crazy, huh? Mm. He, yeah. So actually, I'm sorry. It was Pascal III. Ah. Was the anti-pope? Was the anti-pope, yes. My apologies for my inaccuracies. Yeah. If anyone's ever listened to this in the future, considering my cause <laughs> it was an inaccuracy and i repent from it fully <laughs> <laughs> well i'm looking at this list and there is pope benedict the 11th pope eugene the third pope gregory the 10th pope innocent the fifth pope innocent the 11th pope pius the ninth pope urban the second pope urban the fifth pope victor the third all of these guys all these popes are beatified mm-hmm. they're all blessed but they're not saints and there's so many more be- people who have been beatified that are not saints. So how do you become a blessed, though? Is it just your cases that, open up? That's, well, we've talked about this before, but there's a, there's a process. First, sure. you declare a servant of God, which is a recognition mm-hmm. that you led a good and holy life yeah. devoted to God. Right. Then venerable. Venerable, which will mean that basically a cult has grown up around you that seeks your intercession. Then blessed will be one miracle and then saint will be that second miracle. Mm-hmm. That's kind okay. of the, the, the mm-hmm. uh, ah. yeah. And what, what's necessary around it is to have postulators and people who promote right. 
the cause of canonization and the process of canonization. Get people and, to pray. Yeah, and that's yeah. where and that's where, you know, Catholics who are listening in on the show or viewing, you know, you have a part to play in this, you know, in increasing your devotion and and asking for favors from these different saints uh, associated with miracles because this is one of the most beautiful aspects of the Catholic faith is seeing how God's action of grace and and miraculous touch happens in the history of of what we experience. So, you know, there's so many saints that that uh, I pray to throughout my day. Um, what are some of the saints you pray to? Uh, I mean, uh, Delacroix. Uh, uh, Dismas, St. Peter, Mary, Joseph, Padre Pio. About it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's all sorts of saints out there to get to know and to yeah. develop a relationship with. So make sure you're checking out, you know, some of these beatified saints, the saints that, uh, you know, are on, on pause. I know I pray to Archbishop Fulton Sheen all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a beautiful image of him right over my computer, and I keep him in my mind when whatever work I'm doing in the church. He's just he's an awesome example. Right. You know, imagine being that first saint who wasn't canonized, because I mean, the first. Let me take a look here. I'm going to look at my official list of popes. The first 35 were all canonized. Well, they were all martyred, pretty much. Right, yeah. and then then 37 through 49 were also canonized. So just one clunker in the middle there, I guess, <laughs> Liberius, you know? Uh, <laughs> I mean... One clunker. I mean, one out of, out of 50. 50, yeah. Right? yeah. We have to look into Liberius sometime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that the, sounds the, like a show in and of itself. The little Pope engine who couldn't, I guess. <laughs> Well, my brothers and sisters, we hope that you appreciated the show as much as we appreciated talking about some of these people that should be saints, and you too should be a saint. So my brothers and sisters, let's continue to pray for one another. That was good. Right? Yeah. We all are. We all are called to be saints. And, and, you know, as we continue to grow in our in favor before God and man, let us look to the lives of the saints because they give us a wonderful example of how to live and how to continue the beautiful work of proclaiming the gospel in our times. Thank you for connecting with us. Make sure you're subscribing on all of our platforms, and we'll see you next week.